Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 415th episode of MTG Fast Finance, the raddest podcast to be found anywhere in this moral wasteland of cardboard trading. MTG Fast Finance is your weekly podcast covering the world of Magic the Gathering finance, collection management, and speculation. I am your host, James Chilcott, aka at MTG Critic on Twitter. My co-host is Cliff Daigle, aka at Word of Commander on Twitter, and we're here to help you folks make and save money playing our favorite game, Magic the Gathering. Hello, everyone. As always, I'm looking forward to diving into all the developments of the week. But before we do, I want to remind all of our listeners that this show is produced by mtgprice.com, the leading MTG finance community. Please sign up today at mtgprice.com to plan your specs, chat on a great Discord, and read articles by some of the best financial minds in the hobby. MTG Fast Finance is proudly sponsored by Cool Stuff Inc., where you can find all sorts of cool nerdy stuff in stock, including all the best in Magic the Gathering, single, sealed product, and a plethora of other collectibles. Use the promo code FINANCE5 during checkout at CoolStuffInc.com to save 5% off your order and support this podcast. Clifford, what is on the agenda this week? Hey, hey, we're not getting into the name-calling here, buddy. Name-calling, please. It's a family podcast. We're going to lead off with our metagame week in review. We've got a Pioneer 10K and a Standard 5K to talk about that happened over the weekend. Segment 2 is our top movers in paper, followed by our top movers online. Then in segment 4, you and I have cards to watch, and then we got a lot of new cards coming around. We got told about uh, Sheldon's Secret Lair that's coming out uh, soon. We got a little bit of preview for Outlaws of Thunder Junction, but the big dump just today was a whole bunch of Fallout spoilers that we need to talk about. Alrighty, let's jump in here on this Pioneer NRG 10K. I think it was uh, somewhere in Illinois. This thing was absolutely dominated by Blue Red Phoenix. It was first, second, third, seventh, and eighth. Almost identical list. They're all running four copies of uh, Arclight Phoenix. Ledger Shredder, and Picklock Prankster, the Wilds of Eldraine upgrade. I mean, it, when the deck is singing, the deck is singing. Clearly, this was a, a great metagame for this particular setup, and not enough people were ready for this kind of a very powerful set of interactions. And you can be hitting people like crazy pretty easily in this, uh, this particular Pioneer format. Especially with Picklock Prankster giving you just the perfect card. It mills you a bunch and gives you the one cost uh, instant or sorcery to make sure you can bring back all your phoenixes. It's pretty great. We also had Lotus Field Combo in fourth, running three copies of Archdruid's Charm. Go figure, they can tutor up the land they need, and they are interested in doing so, apparently. Boros Convoke with four Knight Errant of Eos in fifth, and Mono White Humans with four Adeline and four Thalia. Two casting cost, Thalia, that is, in sixth. I bet this was a great weekend for Thalia. All these Phoenix decks running around wanting to cast instants and sorceries. You're just like, tax away. You know, you got to have your shocks ready to fire. Over in the standard 5K tournament, Boros Convoke took this one down with four copies of Knight Errant of Eos as well, so that's seeing plenty of play in both formats. Five color control featuring four Archangel of Wrath and three Atraxa. Uh, was in second place. Esper Rafine was in third, sixth, and seventh. That deck tends to run four copies of Rafine, three or four copies of Fairy Mastermind, and four Wedding Announcement. The blue-white control uh, deck has similar 
angles to it. They're they're running three temporary lockdown in the main, which is definitely targeted at the Convoke decks. They also are using three copies of the Wandering Emperor. It's, it's, it's weird being in this version of Standard where Neo is still legal, yeah? Yeah, man. We got another six months of this, and I wrote an article on Friday about how the mana bases will change and things like that, but losing the Wandering Emperor is going to be pretty big for some of these decks, you know, because it gives you that thing to do with Flash affects the board and gives you board presence when you untap and start doing things. I really like the presence of uh, Deduce as a card draw. I don't know if you remember the brief time when Think Twice was a popular card draw spell. And Deduce is just strictly better unless you're worried about your artifacts in play. Uh, I also love a Miser's Horned Lock Whale. And, of course, we're going to have uh, three Sunfall to just deal with every problem that exists. Virtue of Persistence was a card I slid into Moldrotha in EDH pretty early on after it was released. And here we see it in eighth place in the Reanimator build with three copies of Atraxa and two Conspiracy Unraveler, one Itali Primal Conqueror. Uh, that's a pretty fun-looking deck right there. They also have three Breach the Multiverse and four Rona to... Uh, draw and discard into the yard and set things up the four reenact the crime are really just pretty darn amazing you get to do this uh at instant speed so you can if you've got your conspiracy i'm sorry your likeness looter in play so you tap it to draw and discard it on their instep and then you uh have four mana open to hit reenact the crime and immediately smash an atraxa or an unraveler or an atali right into play ready to attack (laughs) oh that's just beautiful it's pretty nasty if someone's like, oh, I'll attack you with Night Errand for Era, Eos and a couple of these small things, and you're like, uh, loot, discard a Traxa, reenact the crime. Bang. Very nasty. Love it. This looks like a fun deck. If I was playing Standard right now, this would be the one. It's also the first time I've seen a home for Kaido Shizuki. Three copies in the main here. I also like a Cruelty of Gix. That was uh, a card that just you wanted to cry when they casted it against you in Limited back then, and now it's just looking real good. This is this is a lot of fun deck to play, I bet. Yeah, in, in limited that card was house. Moving on over to top paper movers, uh, Shalai and Halar foil extended art was my pick last week. There wasn't a whole lot of inventory, and it looks like the pro traders moved the needle on that one. It's a eighty percent inclusion rate in the Voja decks, and as of this week, Voja is still the number one commander getting built. Interactions with wolves and or elves are going to be good in that environment. And we have the Shalai and Hellar FAEAs go 7 to 19, 171% gains. And the regular copies going 4 to 15, 275%. Starting further back down the list, we've got Aetherworks Marvel at a Kaladesh going 4 to 550. I would imagine that's going to accelerate if it doesn't show up in the actual Fallout decks. We don't know for sure yet whether it will be right. there. But there are certainly a bunch of energy cards that were revealed today that suggest that the theme is robust with in that deck 40 percent gains uh and probably more to come ink shield extended art out of c21 commander 2021 uh decks that were released alongside strixhaven i believe 21 to 30 dollars 43 percent gains it's in 41,000 decks on edh rec five percent of all black white decks run it it's been an absolute blowout pretty much every time i've ever seen it cast it's bad uh, for it to be hard for it to be bad it's true Sometimes they counter it, but that's like yeah, most it's most a of the risky time, run. Anything can get countered, and most of the time you just blow them out completely. 
We've also got Trouble in Pairs as an early standout for EDH play out of the MKC cards, the commander-specific cards from uh, Murders at Karlov Manor. $20 to $30, 50% gains early on Have you on played there. with this card yet? We saw it played in a, in a Pro Trader game, yep. Oh, it's ridiculous. I, I just put it into my uh, Salvala deck, and let me tell you, that's some busted-ass interaction right there. Because I'm giving them cards and they're all going to do stuff. And I just had a billion cards in hand. Uh, I'm waiting for the set to get cheaper before I buy these. But we might not have much of a chance. Because this card is is everything in a bag of chips, to use a phrase from an earlier generation. There's been a lot of mid-rangey card advantage engines that Wizards has tried to print into white to make it better in EDH. Since there's, a, I think, a fail, like a increasingly erroneous assumption that white is the worst color. Um, I don't know a, where you're getting that information that white's the worst color from, but I go on, go on. I mean that that has been the the chatter for years, but I think it's becoming increasingly false because there there are like a lot of that started before Esper Sentinel, before Smothering Tithe, before the seven versions of Trouble and Pairs they've given us, Wedding Ring, and so forth, and <laughs> and the ten different use case specific wraths that tend to be one-sided things like winds of abandon and destroy all things that are big destroy all things that are small destroy all things that don't have counters on them destroy all things that are not artifacts and so on and so forth that have continuously improved the color and i was looking for copies of trouble and pairs over in japan cheaply but they're seem to be priced mostly to u.s market pricing so haven't seen any deals on it yet Cemetery Prowler out of Crimson Vow, four to six dollars. That's a major Voja card as well because it functionally can can make uh, your creatures cost one less at a minimum. And if it gets in for some attacking, it can make some other card types cheaper as well. And it just happens to be a wolf, so it's a nice little fit there. Temporary Lockdown has been doing a lot of work against these Convoke decks in both Standard and Pioneer. The Dominaria, uh, sorry, DMU. Uh, that's a Dominaria United card, not a Dom card. 450 to $7, 55% gains. The One Ring Showcase Scroll version, and I think that's the non-foil if I'm not mistaken, but I have to double-check that. This would be a pretty amazing price for a non-foil. I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm just saying it would be impressive. Because the One Ring is has proven to be, you know, one of the... Are you going to hurt me if I say if it's one of the top 30 magic cards of all time? I would have to look at that list, but it's it's certainly one of the most powerful cards printed in recent memory. Sure, sure. The the normal copies are dried up. <laughs> so Jesus wept. <laughs> what are the foil prices? I they're about what? they're very similar. Okay, yeah, very similar. Well, holy crap! Market price on the non foil still sitting under one ten, but there are no non-foil copies listed on tcg player below 170 and there's only a total of eight copies so this is yet another premium version of the one ring that looks like it's going to be stratospheric and i just don't see how they're going to handle this in the short term in the short term they're they're not going to do anything but this is going to be the case study for the first reprint keep in mind we don't know that there's not some surprise lord of the ring set on the docket I'm True. assuming there's not. They didn't announce one, but there could be. I'd say it's like a 5% chance, 
But in the in the absence of any further Lord of the Rings releases, these are, I mean, <laughs> well, got to start looking at those they, borderless foils I called out a while ago because they are still pretty consistently in the 40s to 50s, I believe. But pretty soon here, they're going to be the only premium version under 100 bucks. Right. And that's, a, I think, a, a key point here is that we're talking premium versions. The regular one still pullable from regular Lord of the Rings packs, which they straight up told us would be available for an extended period of time. They're, you know, going back to the printer, I imagine. So, and having a Mythic that's currently got, uh, whose cheapest prices are $60, you know, a $60 Mythic in a, a set that has a lot of other good things going for it, you're going to be real tempted to crack boxes in search of that. So I'd be looking out for... Uh, everything else but the the premium versions every premium version is bonkers because it's just that good i mean you have to have an active reason not to be playing the one ring in whatever commander deck you're playing so you know like i don't have one in my dragons deck but that one's real kind of like no i need dragons but every other deck i have yes i've 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 crammed a copy of the one ring in there the funny thing is the the one ring borderless poster version which is 169 market even in non-foil and multiple hundreds in foil, is the coolest looking art, but I don't think it's the most evocative. The mm. main... So the, you're getting into taste here, buddy. I don't know if that's if there's a point because you get to pick whatever sweet version you want and you're going to pay through the nose for it if you don't want the basic one. Yeah, yeah, but follow my point. The, okay. the borderless poster is very cool art and it's going to be in high demand, but again, do, doesn't scream Lord of the Rings. The because it's kind of a 70s psychedelic spin from the early from the period where Lord of the Rings was making its kind of first resurgence in print as a book before long before there was movies. And the art that's used on the regular copies, the extended art, and that's modified slightly for the showcase scrolls is all the same art. That art's fine, but it's not super impressive by any means. I actually think the best art is the one on the cheapest copy of the card, which is the the one that was in the bundles. And the reason it's cheapest, of course, is because there were so many bundles. Uh, I do like the bundle one, two, yeah. Two kinds of bundles. But it's the best looking art because it's got Gollum ch- like trying to grab the ring as it tumbles into Mount Doom. Those are the regular copies that come out of regular packs that you alluded to earlier are $65 and the foils are 75 I would think those foils, regular foils, are worth a look as well because we're down to 13 listings with a very steep ramp, and I bet you those $75 copies end up in the 100 to 150 range within six months. The the borderless and borderless foil stuff out of the bundles. $45 right now. and Yeah, currently sitting just about 45 each. I actually think, is it true that the non-foil version of the bundle ring is actually found in cbs i would have to go back and double check on that i don't know off the top of my head but i i believe that one of the things that i I wrote about the math of it would have that information available i just got to do some spelunking through older stuff to find that because i there are two versions of the bundles and i'm trying to remember if the lesser bundle had the non-foils and the other bundle had the foils or if it was that both of them had a foil borderless, and then the non-foil was only found in the original CBs from last summer. I am not certain. They have they have successfully confused the bejeebers out of me because there's 
15 different versions of a product that all came out within four months of each other. So I think that's accurate. I think the non-foils were found in the packs. Whatever way you slice it, bundle foils and non-foils are probably going to be under pressure not too much longer. There's actually more of the foils than the non-foils by quite a bit. There's like 19 listings non-foil, 97 foil. That leads me to believe the foils are indeed coming out of the bundles, but the non-foils are not. These are so pretty in foil, though. The way the writing just kind of glows. Yeah. Like, this is this is hot. I I agree that this is the version I ended up with in a lot of decks, and mainly because it was the cheapest. So I'm for it. This looks great. I did order a poster borderless foil to put into a Traxa and let sit there as a gainer. But yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> bottom line, if they don't make manufacture any rings for the next 12 months, then you're, the best time to buy a ring is now. <laughs> because I, don't, no. I just don't see how the entire co- collection of the one ring, all versions, isn't just on upward pressure all year long. I'm with you. I'm with you. Dragonlord Dramoka foil etched uh, out of Double Masters. Uh, going 15 to 24 etched foil cards out of that set have been targeted throughout the year. Smothering Tithe Confetti Foils. This is the most uh, fanciest version of Smothering Tithe that has yet to exist. Going 265 to 435 and actually the lowest price copies beyond that 435 price point are pushing five, six, seven hundred dollars on TCG Player right now. So it's a minimum up 65% in the last few weeks. And depending on where people repost copies they're trying to sell this could settle anywhere between 400 and 700 would be my guess that's surprisingly reasonable yes i tracked down some copies in japan that i had not been putting into carts because they were more or less equal to uh, english pricing a month ago but now that it's 219 for japanese confetti foils and there are basically none left and the english price might be pushing 400 plus i think i'm going to go ahead and pull the trigger on those that seems like a logical thing to do I mean, Ristic Study is already pushing six or seven hundred or something in in confetti foil. Spoilers. Let's keep going. Jace, the Perfected Mind, uh, Phyrexian version out of all will be one four to seven dollars. It's in multiple standard decks. Pretty much any standard deck that's running blue, and there are at least three or four archetypes in play, is running the card. Knight Errant uh, of Eos, Extended Arts. We saw showing up in Boros Con- Convoke for both standard and pioneer, as we mentioned earlier, going three to six dollars in the last week or two. Hundred percent gains there. Surge foils at a Doctor Who have been targeted. We've seen multiple lands and and specific artifacts and Necron cards on multiple of our lists over the last few months. Talisman of Conviction surge foils made a move this week, and I think Deserted Beach also made a move, though it didn't make the list. Uh, Conviction Talisman of Condition went six to twelve dollars. That's hundred percent gains. Gleeful Demolition is a key card in that Boros Convoke deck in Standard, and I'm not sure if the Pioneer version runs it, but they went a dollar to two dollars. Out of all will be one. We've also got Unexplained Absence, an MKC card, so uh, MKM Commander card, three to six fifty on early strong EDH use. Uh, that's the one that is basically a Grasp of Fate, if I'm not mistaken. I believe that is correct. Yeah, for each player exile up to one target non-land permanent that player controls. For each permanent exile this way, its controller cloaks the top card of their library for a three and a white. The sexy part about this versus grasp and and other similar effects is that those are usually sorcery speed or their enchantments. 
and this is instant. You can do a lot more damage yes. instantly removing three things on the board. <laughs> that does seem like a like a real bonus. Like, oh yeah, you get a, a face down 2-2, two, two. maybe you'll flip it up, but I handled your problem at instant speed, and that was definitely worth it. Plus two other things that I found annoying on the board. The thing that that's cool about this is, yeah, they get a cloaked 2-2 two, two creature, but they can only turn it up into what it actually is if it's a creature. So, you know, depending on depending on the deck, you have probably something like a 40 to 60% chance to give them something there. And there's no guarantee it's going to be anything important. Um, yeah, it's, it's a cool card. And I've definitely slotted it into a few white decks to try out. Unexplained Absence out of MKC, we just talked about. We also have Goo, Collar, Gisa, Foil, Etched out of CMM, 5 to $16, 220% gains. They drain down to almost nothing, and there's no specific deck that really needs this. Basically, if you're in black-white tokens, you can find room for it if you're not fully tuned, because it is a little slow. So I don't have any good explanation for that other than the fact that people are going after those etched cards from yeah this is the only version with a a different frame and honestly only the commander collection black even had different art so this is another case where there's one different frame version to go chase and you know there there you go that's what it's going to be because every other version is close to a dollar in non-foil so this one being the only uh special frame is is what's going on on Magic Online, where you're looking at the Wandering Emperor out of Neo, 8.26 ticks to 13.66. That's 65% gains on the back of Strong Standard and Pioneer play, mostly in control builds. Temporary Lockdown is a, is that anti-convoke tech, going 8.67 tickets to 18.57. If you drafted DMU on Magic Online, I bet you you've got some temporary lockdowns in your draft chaff. And you're supposed to be selling those this week because I would imagine Goat Boss is probably offering 12 or 13 tickets on them or something. That seems like a really great deal. Get Lost, likewise, is the uh, preeminent white removal spell in standard right now. LCI card going four ticks to 13.69 on the back of both strong standard and some pioneer play. 241% gains. Keep in mind that is a rare, not an uncommon. It's also from the set that just uh, they stopped... Like, it's still being drafted, just not as popular now that Murders at Karlov Manor is out. So, like, we're getting a lot less of these opened. It was already a $4, a four-ticket rare. So now that the number of people opening LCI packs has dropped, then this price has had a chance to jump like crazy. And this is going to be in standard for almost three complete years. So uh, you might want to think about hopping in now or being super-duper patient. Yeah, so moving on over to cards to watch, I'm doubling back and taking a harder look at Ledger Shredder Extended Arts. I've talked about the foils at at points in the past, and they had a nice fat spike up towards $35 that has since faded down into the low teens. Uh, People rotated off of Arclight Phoenix for a while, but given those results at the Pioneer uh, 10K this weekend... I think you need to be taking a look at this card again. It's still still viable in standard until what September? Uh, that is correct. And late extend- September, early October, yeah, yeah. But it seems like it's mostly EDH and Pioneer that we need to worry about here. So standard is is less of a factor. It's in sixty five thousand decks on EDH rec. and it is a major Pioneer staple by all accounts. If Phoenix stays in the mix. There is a relatively steep ramp forming with copies available in the $10 to $12 range, but not 
too much pressure needs to be exerted before these are going to get up into the $20 price, uh, $20 plus price point. And it's almost always a four of in that deck. The non-foils are more viable for competitive play than the foils are. SNC foils tend to curl quite a lot. So anybody who knows that is going to, is going to swerve away from foils for pioneer usage looking at 49 listings near mint on tcg player but the inventory is not particularly deep for anybody and there's no tgc wall here of like 400 copies or anything i suspect those guys are mostly done with cracking pallets of snc cheap yeah i don't think there's going to be that much left to go after this much time has passed and you know i think the best thing about it is as exactly you said the pioneer decks that play this are not going to play onesie twosie. They're going to go for the full play set because uh, you, if you draw multiples of this, you do the double dance because the second the second one helps you loot again. And then if you're looting twice, there's nothing a, uh, a Phoenix deck wants more than uh, even more looting. So I, this is super solid. Uh, we've talked about different versions of the card and picking up the non-foil extended arts while they're still at this price and you're picking it to go 12 to 20 completely reasonable and i think this will pay off nicely all right i think we we've talked about this blasphemous act that's first on your list before haven't we uh you picked it as a foil in episode 343 a little over a year ago so uh, and you're looking at the non-foil copies correct i also mentioned the um the secret layer sealed that it came in a few weeks back uh, this was a card in there, but uh, with Judith being one of the pop top commanders of the week, this is one of the most ridiculous things to do with her. Uh, f- non-foil Blasphemous Act with the secret lair that looks like a movie poster. Early secret lair, still available for around $20, but the there isn't a whole lot left. Uh, Blasphemous Act is one of the mega staples in red. It's in 34% of all red decks that have been registered on EDHREC since it came out, so it's at like... 549,000 decks. So the numbers are there, and the great part is that uh, while the foil has gone uh, significantly up in, you know, it's gone up like $5 in the past couple months, the non-foil hasn't gone up too much yet, and uh, we've got only one person with a notable number of copies, and you can still get yours for a, a delightful $20 in non-foil there's actually less people selling non-foils than foils one of those cases where lots of people probably bought the foil not as many people bought the non-foil so there's less of those in circulation and uh, this is a strong contender for uh, secret layer masters a project that i know is near and dear to your heart but until we get there i think this is going to you know be completely reasonable yeah, there's only 13 listings left. There is Grey Gauntlet Games does have 20 copies for sale, around $21. But these are gonna these are gonna just disappear. I would not be surprised if both of these versions push up to 40 plus within a year or so. It's a very popular version. Anytime I post one to eBay, they sell very quickly. The you know they could easily be argued to be holds. You know I've sold through sure. about half of mine so far, and I think I probably will put the others aside. Um, it's a really great looking version. The foils do tend to curl out of this drop, so the non-foil is a very reasonable uh, target. 
if especially for people that are playing in play groups that will be finicky about that stuff or they're playing in public with people that might accuse them of cheating if their stuff is is curled personally i run the foils because we're playing with the pro traders and so it's a pretty relaxed environment and we're playing on webcam but if you're carrying your decks to major events then you know you don't want it to look like you're stacking your deck in any way and yeah this looks totally fine to me they're going to keep printing versions of this. There's a new one that was just revealed for right. the Fallout it, decks, but it just doesn't matter. Good versions of Super Staples we know can float above any number of different reprints as long as they're in uh, high enough demand and or low enough supply. And this has both of those things going on, so yay. Very similarly, I'm going to call out Ristic Study Confetti Foil. There are, as I as I said, is pushing up towards like five, six, seven hundred, but there are copies still sitting on TCG Player around four hundred to four fifty. Not a whole lot of them. We're only this is one of those specs where, you know, other people would be hesitant to call it out because you can't. <laughs> only five or six people in North America can snap one of these off anywhere near this price point. But if you hear this and you grab it, you're probably in pretty decent shape because we're down to 20 listings. The ramp up in towards 600 is real steep. And I just think these are going to drain out. This is, I, I wasn't that impressed with the smothering tithe art. I think you have to be pretty anime uh, focused, <laughs> a, a strong anime fan, if you will, to really adore that art. But the Ristic Study art is much more neutral and Ristic Study is just as much of a super staple, if not more so. Uh, kind of an auto-include in any blue deck that can afford it. I don't see how these don't end up 400 to 600 or even 450 to 600 if that's what you have to pay for them, because this particular version in Confetti Foil is not going to see a reprint anytime soon. Even if there was a secret Layer Masters on the horizon as a secret next year, it's not going to include anything like this. I mean... You're right that I would I would flinch at this price point, but it's the most rare version. If you want the one, if you've got that urge for I have to have the most collectible version of things, this is where you're going to have to go until they give us a um, a serialized one. So I I can't argue with this. I I understand where you're coming from. That you are right. There aren't a lot of people who would pull the trigger on a deck for this much but there's also a ton of people well there doesn't need to be a ton of people who are willing to spend this much on their commander decks there just needs to be a couple of handfuls and there you go so are there 30 people in all of north america who would drop this on a ristic study confetti foil i think there are and eventually they will want more copies and I think the only potential roadblock here is uh, if they decide to do a serialized before this gets there, that could mess with this. But otherwise, I think it's pretty smooth sailing for you. I actually think there's a good chance a serial could show up on this within the year, but I don't think it matters. Sure. Serial, serial Ristic Study at 250 or 500 will be a multi-thousand dollar card. So it's not, yes. it's not, it's not going to get in the way of this. Um. Interesting case study to compare to would be Jeweled Lotus uh, Textured Foil out of Commander Masters. That was a little older than the Ristic Study Confetti Foil. And those got to 
Came out of the gate pretty heavy in the high 700s, dropped down to mid 600s by late August last year, and then got all the way down to sub 400 early November. Since then, they have rebounded, and the cheapest priced copy out of 11 listings on TCG Player near Mint is $500. So you're already up 100 bucks on that super staple, and there's virtually none left, and that ramp is stretching up towards 1000 I've just... I was tempted to put that my textured foil that I had cracked up for sale, and instead I just slid it in a deck and left it still. <laughs> Something told me that though those super premiums of super staples that are dropped as in theory mythics, but they're actual actually super premium, they're just going to be gainers. Like I, I think the the smothering tide, the risk study, the jeweled lotus, they're all headed in the same direction. And I'll be pretty surprised if anything gets in the way of this risk study pushing six hundred. All right, so you just looked up the jeweled lotus from original. Um, no textured, no, no textured foil at a Commander Masters. The last. Oh, the textured version. foil. Yeah. Oh, uh, you're not even looking at the frame breaking uh, borderless version. The f- no, that's the frame break. That's not. There wasn't a frame break in the original. There was just foil extended art, and those got up to about a thousand dollars, and then sunk back towards six hundred on the re-release of the textured foil. Right. Right. Current, currently, if you look at that version of the card, yeah, that, that version of the card can be now be had for about sub 400, but again, those are down to 18 listings as well, and that ramp stretches up pretty quick. So they'll give us more Jeweled Lotuses, but right. these Jeweled Lotus Foil Etch, Jeweled Lotus Borderless Foil, and especially Jeweled Lotus Textured Foil all look like they have a ramp to climb in the absence of a reprint. And there's nothing on the agenda where a Jeweled Lotus makes sense other than as a potential... I could see one of the fall sets in their special guest slot. There's no way. They could, because they did it with uh, Mana Crypt in LCI. They could. They could definitely put it in a a chase slot for a standard set. But... Okay, it it is possible, but they've 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 tied this so hard to the commanders uh, sets that I, I don't think they would mess with that. But I see what you're saying. Yes, I'll tell you where they definitely won't do it. They won't put it in a secret layer. It's way too expensive sure. for that. Yeah, no, no way. So it's like Commander Masters Marvel or whatever in 2025, <laughs> where where you're next likely to see that. Yeah, Jeweled Lotus Infinity Gauntlet. There we go. Or whatever. Yeah, something like that. Uh, side note, have you watched the, uh, What If series on Disney? I saw the first one, but not the second one. The first series? There's did sec- you like it? I did like the first one, yes. Uh, there is a second season of it, right? Yeah, I haven't watched that yet, but I watched the first season over the last week while I was working, just putting it on my, uh, side monitor. I was impressed how they tied that all together. Yeah, they, well, animation, you can do some really cool things. It makes me nervous for, uh, what's its face, or for Avatar coming out this week. Uh, we're we're cautiously optimistic about it, but I don't know. I, I just felt like the, the writing on What If was better than most of the movies they've released in the last five years. Uh, you're writing for two very different things that you got to do. Like you're trying to tie it all together. You're trying to link up what's going to be happening. And you, you can do it in animation a lot easier than you can actually write for human actors and what kind of special effects are available to us. Yeah, I, I'm mostly talking about how it could it would have been very easy with the what if series to just go episodic and have none of them interrelate but the way that they took elements and characters from the the first 5 or 6 episodes or whatever and then you know put them on an arc where they collided 
in in the last half without giving away too much that was impressive to me like i think i thought it was very well done uh just a little future forward marvel chatter since i'm sure we'll have plenty of that next year oh yeah you know it all right what's your final selection this week my other pick this week is uh, a more recent secret layer. I think that the market is is ready for more of uh, Ian Malcolm laying around shirtless. Uh, the convalescent charmer, the foil version out of the secret layer, currently going for twenty dollars. Uh, this has gone up since it hit its low point of about ten bucks at the beginning of the year. And as it goes up, I'm noticing that there's not a huge amount of vendors. There's not uh, any, you know, huge walls to be had. So uh, there's one vendor with a dozen copies, and that though all of those are up near thirty. So I think that right now, getting in for around twenty dollars on this version of Tassiger is going to be a winner. This is always going to be the best version of Tassiger. Uh It's just an iconic piece of art. You know, he is an inch and a half away from the full-on crotch grab. He's got abs to die for, a great line, and they they just can't print anything this good for Tassiger ever again. Now, Tassiger doesn't have huge usage numbers in EDH rec. There's around 6,000 decks for him with his commander. He's present in another, like, two or 3,000. But in terms of card availability and it's on the upward trajectory, I think this is where we want to be in on. I think you look at this the, the way you would look at like Bearscape, the yes. secret layer from Pride, where you have a bunch of bears frolicking in in outdoor hot springs. Though those got as low as uh, five dollars in foil, and they are currently about ten, so they've doubled up, and they're down to thirty listings. It's the same kind of thing. There aren't that many people building bear decks, but there are certainly magic players who think that art on Bearscape is hilarious and buy it just as a collectible to put into a binder. And I think that's going to be a thing you're going to see, you know, expand. That's a, that's a cult part of our collecting culture that is expanding with every set of secret layer drops with fantastic art. There are more and more people that are, you know, looking at magic from a different angle. In the first 20 years of the game, it was very much about being a completionist. It was about finishing sets, putting them in binders, putting the binders in order on the shelf. But I think increasingly there are more and more collectors who are just buying the things that are interesting to them. They're buying altars. They're buying uh, uh, artist proofs with sketches on the back. I just got a couple of those this week. They're collecting secret layers along whatever themes appeal to them. Maybe it's pets. Maybe it's dudes in hot tubs, whatever. And, you know, if you're kind of magic player that's collecting sexy magic cards, this would certainly make the page. I want to build a sexy magic deck so badly now just because you said that. And clearly, this is the commander. I, I mean, it's sexy magic. It, it can certainly make, yes. make the deck. It's a, it's a solid theme to pursue. And uh, I look forward to seeing the results. <laughs> I have built so many worse decks over the years. You have no idea. Moving on over to our weekly topics, we're going to take a look at the spoilers for the Fallout uh, Commander decks and Collector Boosters. They share the same card pool. Uh, there are no extra cards, just extra treatments in the CBs. Saw a whole bunch of new stuff today. Uh, there is a Fallout-themed Vandal Blast that was revealed, obviously a, a super staple in the format. And a whole bunch of cards related is that a is it a naya deck that focuses on equipment and enchantments 
That is correct. Uh, remember, we got dog meat as the right. uh, one that got spoiled way back when. Yeah. So they showed us inventory management, red and a white, for a instant that has split second. Pretty notable. You don't get a lot of those. For yeah, each or an equipment you control, you may attach it to a creature you control. That's real cute in a whole bunch of different ways. You can put an indestructible equipment onto something that needs to dodge a wrath. You can move a bunch of stuff over for a mega block or a mega attack. You can combo off in some way, depending on what you're moving around. Seems like a fun card. It really is, and it's got split second. So you're just like, I'm sorry, you're doing nothing in response. Thank you very much. Yeah, not being able to be blown out on something like this when they kill the thing you're moving the stuff to is pretty big. It's also dead accurate. Uh, I know you didn't play a lot of Fallout, but there's a lot of times where you're just like, pause, heal, 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 heal. Okay, I'm ready to back in it. So it's just, it's very much on point. I, I appreciate it greatly. Also showed us an aura called Strong Back, two and a green. And equip abilities you activate that target enchanted creature cost three less to activate. So if it's putting anything, you know, three or less, it just equips for free. And it doesn't... and unusually it does not limit that to a minimum of one so that's right. just i noticed that too that it, if you get a strong back on something and then copy it on something else <laughs> you can just move the equipment back and forth and do whatever that does aura spells you cast that target the enchanted creature also cost three less to cast and enchanted creature gets plus two plus two for each aura and equipment attached to it i mean this is like a voltron style player's wet dream it is green, though, which is a little bit more tricky. Usually the, this sort of thing has been a red and white kind of a deal, but because uh, the enchantment and aura and equipment deck is uh, Naya colors this time around, so now we're getting some pretty sweet uh, green ones to go with. There's a bunch of cards in this deck that for sure would be so much better for my Xur the Enchanter deck if they were mono white. No well. doubt about that. So what sorry a, that your Xur the Enchanter deck doesn't get more broken. Me, me, me. Well, it does get one goodie here. Uh, one of the better cards from this deck that jumped out at me today is Codsworth Handy Helper. Two and a white for a 2-3 robot. Legendary. Artifact creature. Commanders you control have Ward 2. You're already in a safe space there. That's just good, good, good bonus. And then it taps to add double white. Spend this mana only to cast aura and or equipment spells. Awesome. And tap... Attach target aura or equipment you control the target creature you control activate only as a sorcery would certainly be better if you could do it at instant speed but this has a bunch of nice upside for relevant decks including Xur. I agree this is going to be a, a sweet card I wish it said something like uh, you can't cast this mana for uh, regular spells because you can't um, use it for abilities but you can just you tap and use a second ability to uh, do it around also notice this is a way to move auras around in case that's something you're interested in doing for whatever reason. Uh, they showed us the cycle of duels that are included. These are new cards, right? One of them is uh, old. There's, a, there's this whole cycle that they never actually finished, and now they decided to. But Sunscorched Divide, Overflowing Basin, Desolate Mire, and Ferris Lake, those are all new as far as I can tell. Yes, those are all new. So these are filter lands, but they're not the good filter lands where you can have blue, 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 red, or red, red. These are these are just put one in, get exactly blue, red, white, black, green, blue, or red, white out. 
not super excited to get surge foils or whatever of these out of the collector boosters. These are rares, so it is going to take up some of that space. And also, very notable, these do not tap for mana on their own. Yeah, that's so the problem. That is one of the, the big problems about this. And uh, that's something I believe that they fixed. The original one of these came out way, way long ago, before the things we think of as filter lands. So that's that's where we're at. We're finally getting the rest. But, boy, they, they don't look great in comparison to, you know, more modern land designs. They gave a Silver Shroud costume, an equipment for two that has flash. When it enters, you get to auto-attach it. That's been a theme they've been running with for the better part of the last year on some key equipment. And the creature gains Shroud until end of turn. Not Hexproof, Shroud. A keyword they almost never go back to. And the equipped creature cannot be blocked. I will certainly be looking at figuring out if I can squeeze this into my ninja's build because ninjas, this is also be good in your Jota because Jota will be incredibly huge and you can just dome somebody up. Yeah, you can't block Jota's pretty good for sure. And in the Jota's detective agency where I care about number of artifacts in play on a number of cards, this gets a little better. And the typical play pattern with Flash is going to be that you use it as a two mana trick to counter a point removal. So somebody goes to path your Jota for two mana, you counter... And because it auto-lands, now Jota is untouchable and can't be blocked. So unless somebody else is holding point removal to respond to the costume, yeah, this could be pretty solid. And given that it's 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 colorless, it's listed as an uncommon. I'm curious whether it shows up in just the one deck or if it's in multiple decks. Because in the past, sometimes commons and uncommons have been across multiple right. decks. But that's not necessarily the case here. I'd have to see the full deck list. Yeah, it hasn't been true for a while, but uh, do note that Shroud goes away. Shroud is only until end of turn. Yeah. yeah so yeah, yeah. it's it's not quite as good as you were saying there. Like they, they just need to wait a turn and then they can kill it real easy. Sure. Well, as easy as, you know, depending on what else you've got going on. But yes, it does not sure. permanently gain Shroud. Uh, there's a Ravages of War with really sweet art. Uh, yeah, real play- nice. Uh, if you're in a play group that even allows <laughs> Armageddon effects. Uh, I have only done it once to the pro traders and probably will not do it again. Um, we see that there's uh, they're reprinting. They're giving us a set of uh, reskinned cards in the Pip-Boy frame. So we're getting Lord of the Undead, which was just in uh, either the Creep Show or the um, Evil Dead Secret Lair from a couple months ago. And we're getting a reskinned Tarmogoyf of all things. That's going to... That's going to sting to pull a reskinned Tarmogoyf at this point in Tarmogoyf's career. Yeah, that is unfortunate given that Tarmogoyf is sub $10 or whatever. We're uh, doing Ruinous Ultimatum. I think this is the first reprint of the new Ultimatums, right? We haven't gotten any new versions of any of these yet. I've done pretty well on those. Ruinous, uh, Emergent, and... Eerie. Eerie's been a big one for me. Eerie Ultimatum. Yeah, Eerie was the best one. This is good-looking art. I bet a Surge Foil of this will do well, given time. Yeah, we don't know if this is going to get anything besides, like, a a Surge Foil or an extended art. They haven't given us the complete layout of the different frames yet. The art for the War Room looks pretty solid, and that was a card that was on the rise in Fancy Version. They showed us Legate. Lanius Caesar's Ace, 2 Black Red, 2-2 Human Soldier. 
When it enters the battlefield, each opponent sacrifices a tenth of the creatures they control rounded up. <laughs> rounded up means they're sacking something no matter what. So that's pretty funny. And basically it does less to them the more creatures they have. Because it takes a while to round up to anything other than one. Well, if you've got 11 creatures, then you're going to sacrifice two. Yeah. Whenever an opponent so sacrifices... Whenever an opponent sacrifices a creature, put a plus one plus one counter on it. So you're getting probably a five five for four, and if you can flicker it in and out or something, you can go to town. Yeah, There's a true. lot of fun ways to make your opponent sacrifice, but it's it's good stuff. I'm looking forward to uh, some fun stories about Powder Ganger. Uh, just two in a red, two two human rogue with the squad ability. This is now remind me. This set is going to be modern legal or legacy legal. I want to say that it is modern legal, but let me just check. I want to say it's modern legal too, but Powder Ganger's uh, two and a, like I said, two and a red for a two two, but with Squad two means you pay two colorless mana and you get a copy of the creature coming into play. So for five mana, you get two two twos, and whenever it enters the battlefield, you destroy up to one target artifact. I just double checked; it's only Commander legal. Only Commander legal. Okay. That's important. The thing is, like, something like a Mox Monkey is usually going to serve you better than this thing, given, like, what sure. it costs. Because you're going to put a Vandal Blast in before you're going to put in Powder Ganger. I just like Powder Ganger. I like Squad. I think Squad is a fantastic ability. It's a one-card army. Just go. Yeah. Because the problem is, like, the tokens can't be flickered, but Powder Ganger could. I mean, it's it's fine. But most of the time, like, uh, Angrath's Rampage that sure. I played against played against the pro traders not long ago that card does work that's the three and two red destroy all your opponent's artifacts doesn't touch yours and then you get to if you destroyed six artifacts eg you get to look at six cards and cast one for free <laughs> uh that would i don't be think my... that's on grass rampage and grass rampage is black red and you get to choose each opponent sacrifices a creature or an artifact or a planeswalker, I believe. Sorry, not Angrath. The whatever the mole god is, a- Ansrag. Ansrag. Yeah. And it's Ansrag's rampage. Yeah. Ansrag's okay. rampage reads that you destroy all your opponent's artifacts, and then you get to check. You exile X cards. You can put a creature card exiled that way onto the battlefield and it gains haste. Return it to your hand at the beginning of the next end step. That just absolutely blew out the table this weekend. Well, I mean, it's just a better Vandal Blast. And those those foils are a dollar. For now. So, yeah. Pick pick up one of those for your decks and, and see what you think. They showed us a card called Nuclear Fallout X Double Black. Each creature gets twice minus X minus X until end of turn. Each player gets X rad counters. Remind me how rad counters work. So uh, in your upkeep, for every rad counter you have, you mill a card and lose a life. And then um, for each non-land you mill this way, you remove a rad counter. That seems very likely to make it into my Aloro deck. I mean, it, it does seem pretty darn great. If you cast this on six, everything gets minus eight, minus eight, and everybody gets four rad counters, and then they have to lose four life and sack four things. So let me make sure that I'm I'm remembering that right, because that was all off the top of my head. 
So it says at the beginning of your, I'm sorry, uh, pre-combat main phase, if you have any rad counters, mill that many cards. For each non-land, mill this way. You lose a life, and then you lose a rad counter. Oh, okay. So you you mill and lose life. You don't sack anything. That's correct. You're milling and only losing life equal to the non-lands that you milled. And then for each life you lost, you get to remove a rad counter. Not as, as amazing when they're not sacking things. The But they're, you're still getting a Meat Hook Masker style effect out of it. Also, this proliferates really well. Yes. Because it's a counter point. you put on a player. Yeah, I could look at this in attra- various Atraxa builds as well, because Atraxa can add rad counters and make their life harder. She just does it all. Now, again, some opponents milling them is helping them. Like, you don't want to know my Maldrotha deck. That would be a bad idea. Uh, still, Nuclear Fallout looks like it could catch some play for sure. Uh, there's a new version of Solemn Simulacrum. Same old, same old. Mechanized Production getting a reprint from Kaladesh Block. Open the Vaults getting a reprint. Reprint on Guardian Project. More Detectives. More Detectives. Nick Valentine, Private Eye, two and a blue for a 2-2 Synth Detective. Can't be blocked except by artifact creatures. Whenever it or another artifact creature you control dies, you may investigate. So that goes right into Joda's Detective Agency. No complaints there. I think the card I'm looking... uh, Then we had uh, Liberty Prime recharged uh, for two. And then um, which one's this? Jeskai. Jeskai. So two blue, red, white. Vigilance, Trample, Haste for an 8-8. Let's just pause there. So you've got five minutes. Seems good so far. Vigilance, Trample, Haste, (laughs) Legendary Artifact Creature, Robot. Whenever it attacks or blocks, you have to sacrifice it unless you pay uh, two energy counters. But it has sac- two tap sack an artifact. You get two energy counters and draw a card. So you pro- you if you have any energy when it comes into play, you're going to be golden. And after that, um, you can I believe you have space in here to do this the turn you play it right because the trigger will say whenever it attacks or blocks sacrifice less you play two energy counters. And so before you resolve that trigger, you can go two tap sack some artifact, get two energy and draw a card. But that means you have to have two more mana available to go. And now your five mana 8-8 is now a seven mana. Exactly. So you can either leave it back and do that end of turn. Or you could attack for seven on the turn it comes into play. I would probably s- slide this into Jota's Detective Agency too. It's an artifact creature. It's legendary. So it gets the Jota buffs. It could come in as a 13-13 pretty easily there. It... Draws cards and sacks clues. Looks good to me. Yeah, this is going to do a lot of good things. In, in that particular kind of style of build, for sure. The card I'm looking forward to uh, seeing people bust the most is probably the Uncommon Enchantment Well Rested. And we started to talk about it in the Discord. I don't know if you saw that. But it's one in a green for an enchant creature. And it has whenever this per- creature becomes untapped, Put two 1-1 counters on it, then you gain two life and draw a card. This ability only triggers once each turn. Um, I've got, I can't wait to put this in my Selvala deck, which has 83 different ways to untap Selvala. And that's going to be a lot of fun. There are uh, ways you can untap it with like every turn, you know, Merkfiend Liege, Seedborn Muse, stuff like that. You've got uh, other ways to untap specific creatures like your Thousand Year Elixir. 
So if you can think of things you can tap to gain a benefit and then untap for something, you're going to you're going to have a really good time on this. Also really busted with Umbral Mantle, a card that is dying for a reprint. Got to say that the art in here is very mixed bag. There's several staples in here like Soul Ring and Arcane Signet where these particular arts are just completely uninspired and are not going to be anybody's top choice by any means. I have to see the, the premium versions. What the you say? Look at that arcane signet. You know, it's just like a random desk. Just because you don't know the lore doesn't mean it's not cool. But it doesn't. But it aesthetically, it doesn't look good. You can't just rely on oh the Fallout God. fans, the Fallout fans, to make an association. Who are you making the art for, if not the Fallout fans? Well, for instance, with something like 40k, there were plenty of cards that just look fucking cool. Like whether That's or not because you knew. What, listen, listen, you are. Just going too hard on this this question of individual taste. They're going to give us a wide range of stuff. And this is... Look at this heroic intervention. Are you going to pick this version over a bunch of the other versions of heroic intervention? This is Nick Valentine's saying, another beautiful day in the most dangerous place in the world. Okay, so, so, you're, so, you're, so you're telling me... Are you telling me you're buying this version and replacing other versions you have? Am I replacing any? No, but is this a, a cooler version than a Johnny chopping a net in half? I think I would go with that, yeah. Like, for instance, I Nick, might... Nick the... was a cool companion. He did cool <laughs> things. He let you unlock lots of stuff. Just because... Okay, again, fanboy. I'm aware you... You're going to go there, buddy? All right. Look, look, All look right. at Nuke. I've look played at... Fallout games. Look at Nuke. So, so did I. I've completed them. Look at Nuclear Fallout. That, that one has a bunch of <laughs> heads on the table. That one's good. The... Uh, the art on Liberty Prime is fine. The Nick Valentine art is fine. The Pure Steel Paladin, for instance, good reprint, cool-looking version. I, I continue to believe that the bobbleheads, as, the bobbleheads are a big mistake. Big as mistake. cereals is a massive mistake. I don't, I can't see myself chasing them, but I got to see what they all do before I, I know that for sure. My guess is that this is going to be pretty similar overall in terms of contribution to EDH as a format to the Doctor Who decks, which I think are underrated overall. The 40k decks really hit home, the premium versions especially, climbing so high, um, and there was a lot of good cards in there. I don't think the Doctor Who decks or the Fallout decks are likely to fall too too far away from that standard that was set early on with the with these kind of releases. But I think that they're going to be very theme-specific, right? Like, for instance, the right. Naya deck we know is about auras and, and, and enchantment. Uh, sorry, auras and equipments. So if you're building auras and equipments in those colors, you're getting more tools here. And in the same way that in the Doctor Who decks, a lot of the cards were related to suspend and and building around the doctor that was suspense specific and the companions that fit in there neatly so we'll see what else we get we got more stuff coming the rest of this week and by next week we should have a better sense of the overall power level i would uh i'd be on top of that uh do you which do you want to talk about next thunder junction or sheldon's secret lair uh yeah we can talk about sheldon's secret lair so one of the founding members of the you know, EDH community, Sheldon Mennery, uh, passed away, I think, last year. And apparently before he passed, he was coordinating with the committee and with Wizards on a secret layer specific to uh, him. So we're getting a pretty cool looking 
secret layer with a lot of good cards, a lot of good art. There's going to be a lot of feels involved in people wanting to have this one in their collection. If you're a major EDH fan, it's kind of a no-brainer. And this is, I think, releasing... Is it later this week? pretty soon. I think it's next February week. February twenty sixth. So it's actually six days from now. Yeah, six days from this recording. Yes. And this one has Eladomri's Vineyard, Bene Supremo, which is Natural Order, Greater Good, Greater Good. Thank you. Uh, Soul Ring, great art there. Command Tower, solid art there. Teferi's Protection, very good art. Ink Shield, first fancy uh, reprint of that, and that one has Sheldon on it. And then Sheldon, the commander, is uh, Ramora? Uh, Ruhan of the Fomori, the guy who attacks on random. Right, right, right. Ruhan of the Fomori. So, I mean, the the versions of Soul Ring and Command Tower are likely to be highly sought after. And I think the most expensive things in this are likely to be Teferi's Protection and Ink Shield. They're, I'm assuming, charging something like $50 for these would be my guess. It's going that. to the Amancer, to the American Cancer Society, so it's half what they half said. of it and is half of it is. Yeah, there was there was criticism that it wasn't all going to the American Cancer Society, which I kind of agree with. They make plenty of money on Secret Layer. They could absolutely loss leader this and 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 take the write off if they really wanted to. But I can live with fifty percent. That's a reasonable position, and it's a really good looking layer. I would imagine down the road these are going to be. It's for a good cause. You can't really go wrong. Down the road, they're going to be expensive. I would imagine the midterm, it's such a no-brainer that I would imagine most vendors will go as deep as they can. And right. it's also, they've made clear time-boxed, but it's to demand. So unlike the rest of the Secret Layer stuff this year where it can sell out, and indeed the Secret Layer that we talked about last week or the week before, one of the layers already has, which thereby sold out um, a bunch of the bundles that it was included in. Right, you can't get any more of the bundles. Yeah, this one can't sell out. So I would imagine they will sell 60, 70, 80,000 copies of this. And it's going to take a while for the market to process them. I would imagine it will end up being similar to the Pride Secret Layer, which was also good, like, about as good as this, where it's going to take two to three years to really show strong appreciation. But I guess we'll see. I think you're mostly right, except for the fact that uh, Teferi's Protection is such a great card to put in a $50 secret layer. Like, the cheapest one is almost exactly 40 and that's in non-foil. So, unless they're... Ink Shield Extended Art's not far behind. That is currently a $30-plus card as well. Right, but that hasn't had the number of printings that Teferi's Layer has had, because Teferi's Layer... I'm sorry, Teferi's, Teferi's Protection... Teferi's protection yeah. Uh, it's gotten a list copy. This is the second time it's been in a secret layer. It had the Strixhaven Mystical Archive. It was in Double Masters. There's as a judge foil of it. So there's been a lot of versions of this. And because it's so popular, it's it's an iconic card. Like, this is a fantastic card to have in a secret layer because it will be very hard for you to lose money on this. A lot of secret layers, you're looking at people just trying to just take, you know, as close as they can to what they put in because they're tired of having it just take up space on your shelf, you're not going to have a big problem with this in a year or two, uh, cracking it open and selling your Teferi's Protection to get almost all of your money back with some very good cards left over. 
So I yeah, think I, don't, that- I don't see any way to lose here. It's just a question of how long you're sitting on it. The I, I think the play here is you go ahead and order as deep as you're willing to right up front so that you get, right. you know, if they're going to stagger the shipping like they have done on, on two demand product in the past, where the earliest orders get their stuff within like a week because it's pre-printed and the later orders get it later. You want to be in that early segment because it's possible that you end up cracking for um, singles 30, 40%, and, yeah. and just doing really well right up front before the market yeah, A floods. lot of our traders have done that. So yeah, so this this there. looks like a great release for a great cause. Record, you know, honoring a great member of the community. It's just a win, win, win. Now, Thunder Junction is the next standard set coming out April, I believe. And there is a there were spoilers that were circulating this week. Some official, some unofficial, uh, based on information that was passed to vendors about what the commander decks are focused on. So we should probably take a look at that. Yeah, so there uh, are four commander decks. There's the blue-red quick draw, which uh, I need to uh, zoom in on this picture so I can read what in the hell it says. says. It says, become the quickest draw in Thunder Junction, casting multiple spells per turn and duel your friends with a blue-red deck that's ready to play right out of the box. There is also a saddle up for a wild ride. Join Oko's crew. Yeah, the Oko from Eldraine of Deadly Desperados as they plot a brazen heist in the frontier world of Thunder Junction. There's criminally cool cards. uh, Each pack containing six alt border cards, including at least three breaking news cards. Reprints that report a spellcasting crime with front page news style frames. You may even nab a borderless version with a slick textured foil treatment, a collector booster exclusive. Textured foil sounds like it's going to be like oil slick. And on right. good cards, I would imagine those will end up targeted. I'm a little surprised that they're going with front page as opposed to wanted poster, which seems like the low hanging fruit for that showcase treatment. Agreed. But we'll see. We'll see. We haven't actually seen these frames yet, but we'll we'll see what's going on. Like it could be a, a front page of a newspaper, and it'll look a lot like a wanted poster. It's actually five decks, not four. Uh, this is the main commander release for the year, if I'm not mistaken. And what's the fifth deck? Because we have the the Oko saddle up for a wild ride. We have is it quick draw, and then we have Desert Bloom Naya. After fleeing his old life, Yuma finds new purpose caring for an infant cactus folk. <laughs> so they're taking like the cactus people out of Final Fantasy and dropping them in here. Bring life yes. to the desert, discard land cards, then rejuvenate them for a lively victory with this red-green-white deck that's ready to play right out of the box. I would take another look at that uh, Undergrowth Recon or whatever it is out of MKM to be auto-included into anything like that Naya deck sounds. Right. There's, al- there's also Grand Larceny, which is a Sultai build. Once a thief, always a thief. Team up with Gaunti, last seen on Kaladesh, to gain a wealth of stolen goods and outshine your opponents. So exp- expect to see all sorts of blue thievery cards there. You could see easily see a thieving skydiver in there. And a Mass whole bunch manipulation. of other... Yeah. Steel artifact, whatever. Uh... And then there's Most Wanted, a Mardu deck headed by Olivia Voldaren, who, failing to dominate Innistrad, has formed new alliances on Thunder Junction. Crime always pays. Amass treasure and hire fierce outlaws to overpower your foes with this red-white-black deck that's ready to play right out of the box. I guess the biggest question on that 
would be that would they dare reprint a regular co- version of Smothering Tithe into that deck? I mean, if you're talking treasure, you know, Smothering Tithe, man, that's been hit a bunch in a row. Uh, I wouldn't put anything past them. Well, I mean, would you rule that out? I wouldn't rule it out. I'd like to say it's probably not, but I can't rule anything out. I mean, they were willing to put something like a Black Market Connections in not that long ago, and that was a new card, but they knew it was going to be like a Smothering Tithe, and they put it in there. I feel like Black Market Connections is a strong include on this, because that would be the first reprint for the card. Hard, hard to say. I couldn't see them doing both in that deck. But if these right. are the main Commander releases for the year, they these will be more pushed than your average decks. And certainly with a treasure theme in Mardu, you'd have to at least think about it. What about uh, Dockside? No, can't be here. <laughs> that that would be that would be no. It's too expensive. That that's too ballsy. Um, but certainly you'd be looking for Dockside to catch some upward trajectory if it's not, uh, because it'd be like the first expensive red treasure card you'd put into the deck. Got to agree. Uh, got to keep a lookout if it's red-based treasures. Uh, what's the uh, Zorn out of uh, the Commander Baldur's Gate? Yeah, the one Zorn that doubles up your treasure. Doubles, yeah. I've still got Foil Showcase Zorn sitting around in the Specs box, acquired at a cheap price and likely to take a while to get anywhere. Yeah, those uh, that Monster Manual art just not a big hit with most people. All right, so we should have more news on all fronts next week. Where can folks find you online, my friend? You can find me online at Twitter at Word of Commander or my articles every Friday on mtgprice.com. And you folks can find me on Twitter at mtgcritic as well as via my occasional articles on mtgprice.com. I'd also like to remind our listeners to check out the mtgprice.com Pro Trader service for just $9.99 a month or $109.99 per year. You can get early access to this podcast, fantastic articles by the best MTG finance minds in the business, low-cost group buys, and a super active Discord forum that will drive better returns and save you money playing Magic the Gathering. Once again, MTG Fast Finance is proudly sponsored by Cool Stuff, Inc., where you can find all sorts of cool nerdy stuff in stock, including all the best in Magic the Gathering singles, sealed product, and a plethora of other collectibles. Please use the promo code FINANCE5, that's finance with the number 5, during checkout at CoolStuffInc.com to save 5% off your order and support this podcast. Oh, James, we got more Fallout previews coming, then there's more Thunder Junction. The the machine must be fed, man. I'm actually... Actually, we're going to get MH3 previews at the Big Chicago tournament this weekend. So we'll have some MH3 previews next week. Right. Are you kidding me? We're going to have previews (laughs) for three different sets going on, one of which isn't coming out until like June? Yeah. Oh, God. All right. Sure. Let's dance. Thank you, buddy. Thank you to all the listeners. And we will see all of you next week on another episode of MTG Fast Finance. 